Welcome to episode 29 of Crime Time for Tuesday, August 21st on FayObserver.com, featuring Fayetteville Observer Police and Crime Reporter Nancy McCleary. I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety, highlighting stories in the news, and a reminder anyone we discuss who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Let's get started. It was not a drill. Reports of an active shooter in downtown Fayetteville on Tuesday, August 14th. Fayetteville police swarmed. City streets closed. People took cover inside buildings. As for the shooter? Well, fortunately, Sonny, there was no active shooter downtown. It was the caller who had threatened to open fire in Fayetteville City Hall that created fear and confusion on Hay Street. The call had been made to the city's Human Resource Development Department, which is about two blocks away. Sergeant Sean Strippe of the Fayetteville Police Department said no one was found who appeared to be a threat. Somehow, the rumor of an active shooter began circulating, and that's when police launched into action. And it was a quick and impressive response by local law enforcement, I would say. Oh, indeed it was. Um, Officers and patrol cars, unmarked cars, and sport utility vehicles quickly filled Hay Street and Ray Avenue. Police, actually, I think that's... um, Maiden Lane, come to think yeah, of it. Okay, you know what? Yeah, no, right. I'm wrong. Okay. There you go. Um, so they've quickly filled Hay Street and Maiden Lane. Police donned pull- bulletproof vests and grabbed rifles from vehicle trunks. City Hall and the nearby AIT building were both put on lockdown and searched. And as But as Sergeant Strepe said, it was determined that there was no active shooter. Any follow-up about who the caller was? Have they been able to track anything that you're aware of at this time? No, not to my knowledge. Well, in a follow-up to our lead story in last week's Crime Time episode, Nancy, you spoke with the mother of Damar Dobbins. You may remember that Dobbins was the man found about 2.30 in the morning on Sunday, August 12th, covered in blood outside of the Marathon gas station at the intersection of Country Club Drive and Rose Hill Road. Last week, Dobbins was charged with first-degree murder and the stabbing death of his grandfather, George Dobbins. Both lived at a home on the 3300 block of Cranbrook Drive. Also living at the home is Sharon Dobbins-Hill, who is DeMar Dobbins' mother and George Dobbins' daughter. As I said, you spoke with Sharon Dobbins-Hill. Nancy, what, what did she tell you? Well, she hopes that this family tragedy will draw attention to the issue of mental illness. She said her son, Damar, has mental health problems. Damar had been living at the Cranbrook Drive home since his release from prison in March, Sharon Hill said. While in prison, Hill said that Dobbins had received treatment for schizophrenia. After his release, Damar came home without medication. Sharon Hill said that she and her sister, Owilla Dobbins McLean, tried several resources in Fayetteville in an effort to get help, but got no response. Damer was promised a, quote, work coach after his release, but the prospective coach never called back. Hill also took her son to the emergency room at Cape Fear Valley Medical Center to get medication and also had her son admitted to Cherry Hospital in Goldsboro, which is a psychiatric facility. His condition improved, but there was no follow-up care. 
It is a tragic story indeed. I'm, I'm sure during your interview with Sharon Dobbins-Hill and her sister, Willa Dobbins-McLean, that, that you could get a sense of the hurt and pain they are feeling. I got a sense of that. Um, I, I just can't imagine, your, you know, your son kills your father. That's just hard to... Um, yeah, I was accused of that. That is a tough one. Um, yeah, but Sharon Hill said she does love her son, and she has tried to get him help, but she says the system failed, and she also loved her father. Um, both women hope that this this event will will help others who may have mental illness um, and any kind of um, related issues. Yeah, issues. With, with mental yes, illness. exactly. They, they hope this will show other people that if you think there's mental health illness or issues in your family, please get help as, as soon as possible. As Willa McLean said, if you have a family member with mental illness, get help immediately. I don't wish this on anybody. And neither do we. Mental health issues constantly in the news as the country tries to come to grips with it. Uh, Damer Dobbins had served time for robbery with a dangerous weapon, attempted robbery and conspiracy, according to the North Carolina Department of Public Safety records. He is currently being held in the Cumberland County Detention Center on the first degree murder charge. It's been almost seven years since former Cape Fear High School student Caitlin Abercrombie was shot, nearly killed at school. Last week, Abercrombie's lawyer said a $2 million settlement had been reached with the Cumberland County Board of Education in relation to her injuries and suffering. A trial had been scheduled for September 17th. Nancy, look back for us. What happened in October 2011? According to court statements made in 2013, Charles Dexter Underwood Jr., who also attended, was a student at Cape Fear High School, um, those statements indicated that Underwood had brought a rifle to school to shoot another boy who had beaten up his cousin. He told the judge the rifle discharged when it was bumped by a swinging door and that a bullet, the bullet struck Abercrombie in the neck. And, you know, Caitlin has had to overcome a lot in recovery through the years. Um, she certainly has. Uh, Caitlin was in the hospital for about a month and a half and had multiple surgeries. Her lawyer, Brent Adams of Dunn, said that surgeons had to rearrange the muscles in her neck and patch a hole in her esophagus. As for Caitlin Abercrombie's lawsuit, her attorney, the aforementioned Brent Adams, contended that staff should have noticed that Underwood was out of class and wandering the halls. Cumberland County Schools contend the shooting was unavoidable. Adams said that school security cameras showed Underwood wandering the hall for hours with the rifle concealed under his clothing, yet no one noticed. The lawyer says that even if teachers and staff couldn't see the weapon, Someone should have noticed that Underwood was out of class without a hall pass. The school system says that Underwood was hiding in bathrooms and ducking in and out of hallways to hide from school staff. Now, what about Charles Dexter Underwood Jr. and and the trial? Well, as far as we know, he has refused to say who he intended to shoot that day. Um, He is in prison, serving a sentence of at least 12 years and one month, and no more than 15 years, three months, for the shooting. He, He pleaded guilty in 2013 to attempted murder, felony assault, possession of a gun at a school, and shooting a gun at school. 
Our next story, Nancy, you know, unless you've been on a hike in the wilderness or had no contact with the outside world, you have no doubt heard about the case in Colorado. Chris Watts has confessed to killing his wife, Shannon, and daughter's three-year-old Bella and four-year-old Celeste. Shannon was also pregnant. However, there is a Cape Fear region connection to this sad story. That's right. Chris Watts was a former student at Pine Forest High School. He graduated in 2003. And Shannon Watts lived in Moore County when she was younger and attended Pinecrest High School. Chris Watts still has family living in Spring Lake. In 2003, Watts and another Pine Forest student placed third in the North Carolina Automobile Dealers Association competition in Winston-Salem. Well, it's a case that has certainly caught the nation's attention. Watts had been seen on TV pleading for help in finding his family, seemingly a happy, lovely family. One of our reporters, Michael Futch, spoke with one of Chris Watts' former teachers. Joe Duty said he was in shock after hearing the news. He called Watts one of his best students. Duty said that Watts was extremely introverted and quiet. He would rarely say a word in class, but that he was clean-cut, very respectful, and very smart. On Monday, August 20th, it was reported that the arrest affidavit showed that Watts told police that he killed his pregnant wife in a rage when he discovered she had strangled their two daughters after he sought a separation. From the crime blotter, Moore County Sheriff Neil Godfrey said last week the four deputies who were placed on desk work after a shooting that killed Arthur Garner have returned to active duty. The sheriff said the decision followed an internal review which concluded the deputies did nothing wrong after they responded to a domestic call at Garner's home near Aberdeen on July 28th. The sheriff first said the deputies shot and killed Garner after he fired on them, but later said Garner did not fire his weapon, but he did have one. And from Red Springs, a man accused of sexually assaulting a woman in a cornfield south of Red Springs on Saturday, August 11th, was found hiding naked among the stalks, police there said. Carnell Morrison of Red Springs was charged with first-degree rape, according to police. The woman told officers that she had been assaulted in the cornfield near Hubert McLean Road. A search with a police canine began, and Morrison was found. Carlos Antonio Wright Jr. of Fable has been charged with attempted first-degree murder and assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill, inflicting serious injury as a result of shooting at a Speedway gas station on the 2800 block of Owen Drive. Fable police say the shooting took place about 4.50 a.m., On Saturday, August 11th, Michael Prescott Bobbitt had been shot several times. And Nancy, what else do you have for us? Well, Tyshawn Marquise McNeil of Fayetteville has been charged with forging a prescription for oxycodone. Now, if that name sounds familiar, that's And it be- does. Uh, yes, and uh, that's because he was arrested earlier this month on the same charges. Uh, in the latest charge, McNeil's accused of using a prescription with the forged signature of Vicki Farmer at Cape Fear Discount Drugs on Ramsey Street. Farmer is a physician's assistant at Eastover Family Care. McNeil and Alex Neri Ja Ferguson were charged earlier this month with presenting a prescription for 30 oxycodone pills at the Stedman Pharmacy, and those uh, that prescription also had Farmer's forged signature. And one more for our listeners. Indeed, and this is hot off the press hot today. Off the press. Yes, indeed. 
A Rayford man is probably wishing he had paid a little more attention to what he dropped while standing in a grocery store checkout line. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. It was a bag of cocaine discovered by store employees after the man left, according to the Rayford Police Department. William Monroe Bratcher, who lives on the 600 block of Saunders Street, was identified by Rayford police after they reviewed video surveillance footage, and he was arrested on Tuesday, August 20th. Or, or the 21st, whichever is appropriate. The incident happened July 31st as Bratcher was making a purchase at the food line in the Rayford Hoke Village Shopping Center on Cole Avenue at the U.S. 401 Bypass. Bratcher was standing in line and dropped the bag on the ground while he was checking out. Uh, Apparently, now he's checking in. (laughs) He is indeed. Uh, He uh, is charged with possession with intent to sell and deliver cocaine and misdemeanor possession of drug paraphernalia. His bail was set at $10,000. That's it for episode 29 of Crime Time for Tuesday, August 21st. We welcome your comments and suggestions for Crime Time. And you can reach me, Nancy McCleary, by email at nmccleary, that's two C's in McCleary, at fayobserver.com, or on Twitter at F-O underscore McCleary. And you can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at fayobserver.com, or on Twitter at F-O Sonny Jones. Again, thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time.